Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor of Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This Christmas, we're, we're kind of finishing up our series on wonder. This is the attitude in which I want to have this Christmas season. I just want to be in awe of all that God is doing. In a season in which I can get pretty cranky about what's happening in my life, all the things that I cannot control, I want to actively choose to have wonder this Christmas season. If you look at, uh, we've been watching a bunch of Christmas videos at our house, and all the best have a Grinch-like character, right? Uh, Scrooge. They've got the Grinch. They've got the dad on Elf. Like, there's always this moment in which this, the, the joy and the wonder of Christmas has to finally break into their heart, into their mind, and there's this realization of, oh, Christmas is wonderful, and blah, 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 blah. Well, this is a story that is as old as Christmas itself. It is repeated over and over and over again, but it's as old as the very first Christmas. Now, the very first Grinch or Scrooge would be Herod the Great. Now, no one was more Scroogier than Herod the Great. He is the epitome of uh, having a bad attitude at Christmas, and it's one that I want to caution ourselves because we can easily get into the same mindset. We're not hopefully killing babies uh, that Herod did, but uh, that's kind of taking to the extreme, I would, I would agree. But um, we, we kind of get into this mindset of Christmas is a bother. Christmas is something that's taking away from us. Christmas is, is just a, a, an act of something we've got to handle and deal with, not something that we get to have wonder and joy in. And so that's where we're going today is kind of checking our attitudes, seeing how this all works. What do, how do we really feel about Christmas and how are we working through that? We're going to compare and contrast two different people uh, today, actually a group of people and one person. We're going to compare and contrast the Magi and Herod the Great. You know, if you sing the old song, We Three Kings from Orient, uh, they're not kings, but it helps in our juxtaposition of the two. The kings of, uh, of the East and Herod uh, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Israel at the time. Uh, but they're really just magi, kind of like astronomy professors with a little religious twist, uh, if you will. That's kind of who they are and, um, and what they're doing in, in the Babylon area, and so that's where they're from. More on them a little bit later. But this Christmas, I want to step fully into joy and wonder. And we've got a few days left, so if you've already been Mr. Cranky or Mrs. Cranky Pants uh, with Christmas, you've got ch- uh, time to have your, you know, come to Jesus moment and have your, your heart thawed or, uh, as the Grinch, have his heart ex- grow three sizes and be okay with that. There's still time. There's still hope for you. Christmas can do a miracle in your life as well, okay? Um, so that's where we're going to go today, and I just want to explore that. Matthew chapter 2, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We'll dive into wonder and joy this season. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose, and have come to worship him. 
When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, underlined disturbed, if you will, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, be shepherd my, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. All right, what is our, our, our Grinch, our Scrooge? Uh, have to do this Christmas. Um, he exhibits some behavior that maybe we are kind of exhibit as well, and I want to check ourselves on that. The first thing is Herod is disturbed. Herod is disturbed by the coming of Jesus, by the Messiah coming. He is not excited. He is not overjoyed. He is not thrilled. He is disturbed. Now, some of you, if you're honest with yourself, you talk about what you're experiencing this Christmas and you look at your to-do list, or you look at who you got to be around, you got to look at the, the parties you're going to or the parties that you're not going to because it's 2020 and all the different stuff going on there. Is your attitude, if you're honest, are you more on the joy side of the scale or on the disturbed side of the scale? You may not like your answer because the Magi are on the joy side and Herod's on the disturbed side. And I'm going to, spoiler alert, you do not want to be compared to Herod in any way, shape, or form. Okay? So that's, uh, Herod was called Herod the Great by the Romans. You will never hear a Jewish person call Herod, Herod the Great. Herod was called the Great because of the things that he built, the taxes he levied for the Romans, and how much money he got them, and how he uh, brutally squashed any rebellions that went, that went on. That's why he got the moniker Great. It wasn't from the Jewish people. The Jewish people hated his guts, and rightfully so, okay? So um, just <laughs> a little, little background on that. Herod is disturbed by Jesus. And sometimes when I enter and I look at all the different things I've got to do, I've been disturbed this week by shipping companies, and maybe you have as well, right? There's been gifts that were supposed to come last week that they're like day and day and day, especially FedEx, now that we have a, an employee of FedEx here. Come on, get it together here, boys. Uh, so we got this stuff. Uh, I'm just teasing Isaiah. He just got a new job. Congratulations, Isaiah. Um, so we, we, uh, we have all these issues. You've been disturbed by shipping companies. You've been disturbed by um, maybe products not being where they're supposed to be, disturbed by uh, people not being where they're supposed to be, by people's attitudes, by uh, whatever it may be. It's very easy to grab a hold of this attitude of being disturbed, to be put out, to be exasperated by them. The opposite of this is to be joyed, overjoyed, to be excited, to be um, just in the moment with whatever situation is going on, to be able to ride those waves of, uh, of turbulence, if you will. Herod is disturbed. Why is he disturbed by Jesus? Because he knows uh, who Jesus is supposed to be. He knows who the Messiah is supposed to be. He's supposed to be king of 
the Jews. Well, that's my title, Herod says. I'm the king. Well, no, you're not, Herod. You just keep on calling yourself king of the Jews. You're not the king. The Romans control Israel. You were just a placeholder. You were a dude they could easily replace anytime they want. But you think so highly of yourself that you are willing to, to do anything. I mean, we're talking about anything to keep power. He murders his children, uh, kills people in his family. He is a narcissist, megalomaniac to the max. That's who this guy is. And he's willing to do anything to keep that power. He is so threatened by the possibility that the Messiah is being born that he's willing to kill babies in Bethlehem from three years old and under. Genocide. <laughs> Wipes them out. That's what he does. We often gloss that over because that doesn't put you in the Christmas spirit, right? But that's, that's what his reaction to this is because he's so disturbed. He wants to protect his own legacy. He wants to protect his own kingship so much so that he's willing to do anything to keep Jesus away. Second thing he does is he operates in secret. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He operates in secret, not inviting into the process, but keeping it secret. He deals with all these things secretly, and that, that always causes a problem. Usually, like, I know some of you are like, well, I keep my, my gifts secret. I'm not talking necessarily about gifts today on that. But when you, when you start dealing with, with everything in your life in a secret way, you, some alarm bells should be going off. If you're getting exhausted working through all the secrets that you're keeping from people close to you, maybe you've got a little Herodism going on in your life and not the Magi. Herod is so focused on himself, on his own power, on his own pleasure, on his own everything, that he alienates all the people that he should be investing in. This is just such an interesting way, uh, thing that's happening in the scripture at this time. Because the Magi, the Magi have no business caring about Jesus. And yet they travel over 900 miles to see him. Herod is about, Bethlehem is basically a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, if he, he gets on a horse, he can be there in a couple hours. He could go see this child that he's so overjoyed and wants to go worship. But he's not, he can't, even, he can't even put out, when did this thing happen? What's going on? Can somebody do my homework and tell me when this was all happening and where it's going on? That's what, why he calls the chief priests and the scribes together. It's insane. Third thing he does is he reacts in anger. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, this is verse 16, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two, year, oh, sorry, two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Merry Christmas. Nothing says Christmas better than a little genocide. Right? Merry Christmas on this. I'm so threatened by you, I'm going to attack. Now, you may not be killing babies this Christmas season, but when your plans, your Christmas plans are threatened, do you react in anger? Just not going to pass judgment and really not tell any personal stories at this time. Okay? Uh, I would like to have a Merry Christmas, but you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Everyone has had a Christmas meltdown. 
Everyone has had, uh, you know, the, the quiche didn't do this. The present didn't come in this way. The tree fell over because the cats possessed and attacked it. Like something happened that sets you off and you're like, fall off. You know, you go Christmas vacation. We're on the threshold of hell. You, you go all the way in this a- aspect, Right? And anger just boils out of you because you can't control Christmas and you want it to be perfect and you want all these things, except for the fact that all those things are about your Christmas or even maybe the people that you care about's Christmas and not actually about the wonder and joy of Jesus. If we're focusing in on the wonder and joy of Jesus coming to earth to save all of humanity for all mankind, we're not going to get this worked up in our anger and our control issues that we have. Pot, kettle, black, okay? Pot, kettle, plaque on that. I'm not calling anybody. I'm just saying this is where we got to work. Because the reaction of Herod is to step into, I need to control the situation. I can't let it get out of hand. I have to, I have, to be, have my hands on it so that I can, I can choke out anything other than what I want. And often we go into the Christmas season and we still feel that way. And what Christmas is about is the joy of the uncontrollable coming to earth. The joy of the unexpected, the joy of salvation coming to earth. So this Christmas, if you want to step into joy and step into peace and step into the excitement of it, we've got to get rid of our control issues of Christmas, our anger issues, and check ourselves to see if we're disturbed by Christmas or if it brings joy. Let's compare him to the Magi. The Magi do this right, and they have no business doing it right. Like I said earlier, um, the Magi risk for wonder. They risk for wonder. They travel over 900 miles to see the baby Jesus. 900 miles. To put that in perspective, that's basically coming from New York to Chicago on a camel. But instead of nice woods being all through there, it's a nasty desert all the way through there. So that's, that's what they're, they're undertaking. Do they know the family? No. Is, is Mary some cousin twice removed? Nah. They saw a star and were like, hey, you know what we should do? Road trip. Let's go. And that's, that's what their reaction to this is because that star is amazing and this is going to happen. What actually is going on is the Magi are intellectual descendants of the prophet Daniel. When Israel was in captivity in Babylon, Uh, Daniel was made head magi, and uh, that's one of the the things that happened in the book of Daniel. And he does the prophecy of the star happening of the coming of the Messiah. And so these guys who are probably Zoroastrianism, they're not even Jews. They are not even of the right religion to be excited about Jesus. But they're like, that guy Daniel, he was pretty smart. He said the star was going to show up. There it is. Let's go. That's why they're there. They have no bit, like, trusting the word of something that happened 500 years ago. They're going there. Just suppose that against the king who's 10 miles away, who can't even be bothered to know the time and the place that the Messiah is supposed to be born. If anyone is supposed to be looking for Jesus, it would be Herod. Who's going to get me out of this mess? Who's going to get me out from under the thumb of the Romans? The Messiah. I'm longing for the Messiah. Instead of longing for the Messiah, he is threatened by the Messiah. The Magi travel over 900 miles to get to the baby. It's probably a four to five month long journey. 
maybe longer. I don't know how, what, you, what miles per gallon you get on a camel in a, uh, in a desert situation. They make this trip. They probably risked, I don't know what their, their employment situation was like in Babylon. You can imagine, hey, we're going to shut everything down. We're going to close everything down for four or five months. Why? I'm going to go see a baby, I think. Where? Jerusalem or Bethlehem? Or that way. There's a star. I'm just going that way until it stops. Why? <laughs> Do you know what that's, that way is? Desert. Yeah. Why? Like, <laughs> like, can you imagine you're sitting there talking to your friends about, what are you going to do this week? Oh, I'm going to go on a trip. How far? Mm-hmm. How long? Mm-hmm. When are you coming back? Mm-hmm. But I'm taking cool things with me. I don't know. You guys don't think about people in the Bible this way? Because... Anyway, uh, <laughs> has more to do with probably my mental state than yours, but hey, that's okay. The Magi have joy in the baby. Now, they're probably overjoyed that they can stop walking on these camels sometimes because the Mediterranean Sea is coming. They're going to have to stop anytime. But the Magi have joy in the baby. They're overjoyed in it. I love that verse. They are overjoyed at the sight of the baby. Herod is disturbed. Herod is distraught. Herod's first thought is, how do I control this? The Magi, like, there's a baby! This is awesome! That thrills me. That excites me. That's the proper mindset of, yeah, I've got all these excuses. I'm dirty. I've been with these people for too long. i got sand blowing in my face. i got all this stuff. Okay, great. It's a baby. It cries a lot. Awesome. Can we go home now? Like that's at the end of a nine-month road trip. That's barely where, or four, five-month uh, road trip. That's where you'd be, right? Instead, they're like, "Oh, there he is. He's so cute. He's awesome. It's a baby." This Christmas, if Christmas feels like the finish line, I can't wait for Christmas to come so it's over. The paper cuts from from wrapping paper is going to be over. I don't have to deal with this anymore. I don't have to deal with this anymore. These people are that. Instead, we're just overjoyed at what this day means. Experiencing Jesus coming to earth. Um, if you're having a hard time uh, maybe grabbing a hold of the wonder this year, I want something that really helped me on these last couple of years grab a hold of the, the biblical wonder of Christmas is watching a movie, a movie uh, called The Christmas Story. Um, it's been done in the last few years. It is absolutely, uh, really just wonderfully done. And they, they don't take too many biblical um, detours along the way. They stay pretty close to the Bible, and I really, really appreciate that about it. But one of the beautiful things about it is it sets the setting. Uh, it tries to go back 2,000 years ago. Instead of thinking about for so long, I actually have this uh, nativity set still in my home. My grandpa... Uh, my great-grandpa made it. It is a log cabin. It's like an Abraham Lincoln stable. Um, and so I often, that's what we used for years and years and years. That's what the nativity went. So for years and years and years, I thought Jesus was born in a log cabin, which is not, not, not true. Uh, but my grandpa's uh, interpretation of being born in a stable was, was this. And for, that's, that's awesome. However, uh, that's not, not, not how that happened. First of all, Israel doesn't have trees like that, so they couldn't build a log cabin. Uh, but that's my, my frame of reference. 
Uh, the nativity story, if you have a hard time figuring out, like, what, what would homes been like? And what was this like? And what was the culture? And how oppressive was the Romans? The nativity story can help you grab a hold of that. So I just want to urge you. I think AMC's got it on demand right now. Um, AMC is not uh, sponsoring this, this message in any way, shape, or form. Um, but they have it on demand, and, and you can check it out. Or I think I actually own the, the movie. I just was too lazy to get up and look for it. Um, so we just on-demanded it. But um, anywho, it really helped me. I get emotional watching that movie. I am literally, as soon as we start watching it, I am almost going to tear up the whole way through. It's not like the passion where you're just like, you're watching it and you're aghast and you're like bawling your eyes out. It's just this, this underlying just, I don't know if it's joy or excitement or awe, but I just feel myself welling up the whole entire movie. And what it is, is I think is I'm staring at wonder what the Christmas story really is. That Jesus is going to be born. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, would stop at absolutely nothing to enter our story. Say, you're not forgotten. You are loved. You are cared for. And I'm going to save you. When we come back to that kind of wonder and that kind of awe at Christmas, it sets right our expectations. It sets right our attitudes. It moves us away from the Grinch, from Scrooge, from the Herod attitudes to that of the Magi. The Magi do one final thing, is they give treasure. The Magi give treasure. Now, we often talk about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we always give those words to a child that maybe not be able to pronounce them all the way because we think it's cute. And frankincense and myrrh. We get it, oh, it's cute. These are treasures. Now, we get our, our basis of, of giving gifts at Christmas from this and the gift that uh, Jesus is for all, for all of us, and the gift of salvation. Yeah, yeah, and we do the whole gift-giving thing at Christmas time. But I want to, I can't overstate the treasure aspect of this. These aren't gifts. These aren't like, oh, I got you a gift card. Thanks. I can go get a Starbucks on my 900-mile journey back home. No, 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 no. This is treasure. The gifts that the Magi give Jesus should have been given to Herod. These are kingly gifts. So in the story, the Magi hit Herod's house first. It's like, hey, how you doing? Hi. My name is blah, 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 and we brought stuff. No, they don't, they don't even give it to Herod. That's where it should have been. That's the dip, diplomatic mission. That's the diplomacy thing. They should have been working with King Herod and giving the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh to him, and it would have gone into the treasury, and that would have made sense. Instead, they hoard that back and say, no, 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 we're going to give it to a baby lying in a stable manger and hanging out with some donkeys and some sheep. They give of treasure, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are not things that are just, one, they're pretty terrible gifts for babies. Like, you need a teething ring here, guys? Like, uh, gentlemen, uh, you need a one-on-one class on how to buy for babies. But um, <laughs> even for moms, you can marry like, thanks. Don't know what I'm going to do with this myrrh. Um, a new saddle for that donkey, because that was rough. Uh, Could have been the fine, but, you know, something like that. Once again, I get, my brain goes crazy stuff when I read these stories. Um, but this is treasure. This is treasure. 
when we come before God and we think of Christmas, what are the things that we hold dear? What are the things that we would, that are a sacrifice, that are big? They're not just token gifts. They are our treasures. I think of the treasure that I have in my life. I consider my family a treasure. And so this Christmas, I want to bring them before Jesus. I want to do what I can to bring them before the manger. My time is a treasure that God has given me. I want to give God my time. And focus it in such a way that I'm not getting caught up in all the other stuff, but the beauty and the awe and the joy and the wonder of the manger. As I give God my treasure, whatever that may be, if it's my family, my time, actual money, I stay in this attitude of wonder, not of obligation, not in of I have to do this, not in some lottery, I did this so Jesus can bless me later type mentality, but instead out of joy, out of adoration, out of wonder that Christ himself, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us has come to change our story, to change your story, to change humanity's story from that of death to life. This Christmas, I want to urge you to take a moment, to take a time, wherever you can get it, lock yourself in a bathroom, whatever you need to do to get alone and make sure that your attitude reflects that of the Magi and not of Herod. We don't want to have a regret that we missed a Christmas because of our crankiness. We don't want to have a regret that we've got all of the excuses in the world that 2020 has handpicked us to really blow off this Christmas. The coming of Jesus Christ is bigger than anything that 2020 can throw at us. The coming of Christmas is bigger than any excuses, any challenges, anything that we deal with. Whether that's health related, whether that's monetarily related, whether that's just my Christmas party got canceled related, whatever it may be, the coming of Jesus is bigger than all of that. And so take some time, think think through that, work through that. How do I reflect the Magi and not Herod? May this Christmas be a Christmas of joy. May it be a Christmas of wonder. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are and what you're about and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we ask you to be with us and guide us as we step fully into this Christmas week, as we wrap all the presents, as we do all the things, as we bake the cookies, as we chase kids around, as (laughs) we deal with uh, kids that don't have e-learning anymore and have way more energy all of a sudden. Lord, we we ask you that, that you would give us the peace and the patience and the endurance to harness all of that joy and wonder and redirect it towards your manger. Lord, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being a God who was present with us, a God who has not left us and not forsaken us, a God who has come to save us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. 
And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.